episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you want better mental health? Then BetterHelp is for you. It is affordable, accessible, and most importantly, personalized online therapy. There is a special offer to the Lucy Pod listeners. You can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash the Lucy Pod. That's better H-E-L-P.com slash the Lucy Pod. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. Please remember that the Lucy Pod is not a replacement for professional medical advice. If you have questions or concerns about your own amazing brain, please speak to a medical professional. I wish to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which I speak to you all today, the peoples of the Kulin Nation. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Please note, this episode of the Lucy Pod deals with topics such as depression, anxiety, suicide and suicidal ideation. Please take care of yourself and seek help. There is Lifeline that you can call on 131114. The ADHD Foundation Helpline on 1300 393919 and Beyond Blue on 1300 224636. These resources will be in the description. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Lucy Pod. I hope that you are all well and are staying safe. In my last episode about anxiety, I did talk quite a bit about therapy and how I would like to talk about it more because even though I've had the Lucy Pod for a really long time now and I often mention the benefits of therapy, I have actually not made a full episode talking about therapy. Now, whether you want to call it seeing a psychologist, a psychiatrist, a psychoanalyst or a counsellor, I've not done an episode on it and I actually find it rather fascinating. So I thought that today's episode could be a deep dive into therapy and what it means for people with ADHD. We'll obviously start off with some history on therapy and on the different types as well as some definitions and then like the Australian context of therapy, like how it works here and how, you know, people view it. And then we're going to talk about the benefits that it has for people with ADHD and briefly touch on how it has helped me, which I also did briefly touch on in my last episode, but this will be a bit more comprehensive. Now, before we get into the episode, I just want to say something, even though I roll my eyes at this sort of thing, I do want to normalize therapy and I want to normalize having a psychologist and talking to someone. It's very normal. It's a very normal and appropriate thing. Um, And from someone who is half French culturally, I view therapy as very normal and actually find it odd when people don't have a therapist, but that's just me. Not judging. Um, do not feel ashamed for having a therapist. And if you are not in the position to pay for traditional therapy, there are other options that I will touch on, but a lot of them will be listed in the description. So let's go. Definition. So let's get into the etymology of the word therapy. I love saying that word, etymology. So therapy, 1846, medical treatment of disease. From modern Latin, therapia. From Greek, therapeia, curing, healing, service done to the sick, awaiting on service. From therapeuan, to cure, treat medically, literally attend to and take care of. Now, this definition touches on a lot of things. It's very loaded and it can refer to physical therapy, aromatherapy and 
psychotherapy. However, it's important to note that not all conditions or mental illnesses are diseases. Um, and there are maybe some of you who do view your mental illness as a disease. That's totally fine. But as a broad thing, I don't want to go around telling people who have depression that they have a disease and that they need to be cured and that they're terrible because I feel like that is kind of nasty language. But yeah, and I just want to also say that therapy doesn't necessarily cure your mental illnesses. Some mental illnesses are chronic. You're born with them. You die with them, unfortunately. Um, therapy can help you manage them so that they don't completely wreak havoc on your life. Um, so I just want to make it clear that just because you see a therapist doesn't mean you have a disease and it doesn't mean that you're going to be cured and that you're like not worthy. Anyways, today we're going to focus on like psychotherapy and how it branches off into different forms of therapy for people who are dealing with mental illness, um, mental illnesses and disorders with the brain um, and that are not issues of the body. I'm not talking about issues of like physical, like you have a disability, like a physical one. I'm talking about the brain. So now a def definition on psychotherapy, the art of curing mental diseases. 1892 from Psycho and Therapy on model of French psychotherapy, um, 1889. In early use, also treatment of diseases by psychic methods, mainly hypnotism. Psychotherapy was used in medical writing in 1853 as remedial influence of the mind. So this is where the word psycho can like maybe come from. Um, and obviously, I think, would you call psycho the suffix or the prefix of any other word? I don't know, guys, I didn't do Latin. But obviously um, that word psycho is considered quite negative because people use it to describe someone who is unkind, mean, unstable, evil, and crazy. Um, also has very negative connotations. But if you look at the base of it or like the French base, it's got to do with therapy and mental illness. It's not an insult, but obviously we do use it as such. Um, so maybe if someone's just being evil and unkind, say to them, you're evil and unkind, rather than saying that they're psycho. I don't know, but you can do what you want. Um, so there's many different forms of therapy or psychotherapy, and I'm not going to go through all of them because it would be an incredibly long episode. In fact, it would have to be so many parts because it is so nuanced and fascinating. So I'm just going to give a quick breakdown on a few different types of therapy and then talk more about which ones are used for ADHD and whatnot. So here are the ones I'm going to talk to you about. Uh, psychoanalysis, cognitive behavioral therapy, talk therapy, um, and psycho, did I say psychoanalysis? Yeah, I said psychoanalysis. So just um, those three. But before I do that, let's have a brief history lesson on therapy. Now, personally, when I think of therapy and when I think of the history of it, in my mind, it immediately goes to Sigmund Freud, who is like the doctor of it. Um, and I know he's a very um, controversial and polarizing figure, but he's very important in this game. Regardless if you agree with him or not, you have to look at it in context and understand what he did for therapy, good and bad, um, so that you can we can learn from it. Because a lot of the things that he said were wrong. And that's why a lot of forms, forms of therapy are a response to that. Um, but that's not necessarily true. It doesn't start with Freud. Um, he will come up later. So the earliest recorded approaches of what you would call therapy were a combination of religious and magical and or medical perspectives. Early examples of psychological thinkers included, I'm not going to try and pronounce these. I'm only going to pronounce one of them and it's Rumi. Um, if you want to know who these were, I'm happy to put them in the description, but I'm not going to butcher them because I feel bad. Um, so in an informal sense, psychotherapy can be said to have 
been practiced through the ages as individuals received psychological counsel and reassurance from others. Um, psychotherapy, they're saying, was probably first developed in the Middle East during the 9th century by the Persian physician and psychological thinker. I don't know if I'm saying this right, so I'm going to say Raz. Um, he was at the time the chief physician of the Baghdad Bimartisan. Um, and in the West, because the West was pretty behind on a lot of things, um, serious mental disorders were treated as demonic or medical conditions that required punishment and confinement. Um, and that was sort of their thing. Because if you notice a lot, like, there's this stereotype that other countries, like, that are not Western are super, like, undeveloped and that people from there are super unintelligent. But if you really want to, like, argue that point, I'm pretty sure that the Middle East was, like, one of the first sort of groups and civilizations to say, hey, when a woman's giving birth, we should wash our hands beforehand and we should, like, dress their wounds and not let them bleed out. Whereas in the West, it was a butchering job. Like you would just let women die at childbirth. Um, and that would be the same in, you know, uh, therapy-wise. If you showed any signs of mental illness or even signs of like just having PMS, you were called crazy and you were treated like you were less than. Whereas in the Middle East, you got help. Um, so, yeah, I don't know what that says about us. Um, I'm pretty sure that we could make a whole essay about how our attitudes towards therapy are a real reflection of how we viewed it in the past, but we can't get into that. So obviously things got a bit better in the 18th century. The treatments were a lot more, they were trying to be a lot more humane. Um, and this sort of brought, brought a focus on the possibility of psychosocial intervention, including reasoning, moral encouragement and group activities to rehabilitate and in big quotations, the insane. So instead of locking them up and throwing away the key. Maybe we should have them get help. Maybe we should create centres and hospitals to treat them. Um, I don't know. Maybe that could just help somebody. Now, although clinical psychologists originally focus on psychological assessment, the practice of psychotherapy, once the sole demand of psychiatrists, became integrated into the profession after the Second World War. So psychotherapy began with the practice of psychoanalysis, the talking cure, developed by, you guessed it, Sigmund Freud, um, and then there were many other theorists like Carl Jung, Alfred Adler, who began to introduce new conceptions of psychological functioning. Um, and there are many, many figures that I'm not going to get into that have completely, you know, developed and overhauled the general orientation of psychodynamic therapy um, and like the principle of making the unconscious conscious. So as you know, I could go on about this for hours. I could talk about behaviorism. I could talk about existential human humanistic therapy. I could go on about, you know, person-centered therapy, but like I said, it would then become a hella long episode. So with this history in mind, let's go back to those types of therapies and talk about them. So the first one is psychoanalysis. So psychoanalysis is a treatment based on studies of the conscious and unconscious human mind. All psychoanalysts have a primary qualification in psychiatry, psychology, social work, or another health discipline. Um, Well-qualified researchers and educators and selected professionals may also become psychoanalysts. Some psychoanalysts will get you to lie on the couch, um, like in the movies, and ask you about your childhood and why you feel and do certain things. And it can be very much like that. In fact, for me, um, with my psychoanalyst, I do lie on the couch and he has asked me about my childhood and I love it. I love psychoanalysis much more than talk therapy, um, like normal psychotherapy. Um, 
But if you love your traditional like talk therapy, I think that's great. The next one is cognitive behavioral therapy or CBT, and it's a common type of talk therapy. Um, You work with a mental health counselor, a psychotherapist or therapist in like a structured way, and you attend a limited number of sessions. CBT helps you become aware of inaccurate or negative thinking so you can view challenging situations more clearly and respond to them in a more effective way. I've never done this type of therapy, so I'm not really going to make any comments about it, but I do know a lot of people who have done CBT, CBT and it has been amazing for them. Those people did CBT for anxiety and depression, so that was their experience and it was just a couple of people, but apparently it was amazing. Um, a lot of them so, sort of focused on how can we transform our anxious thinking, um, which was very beneficial for them, so I think that's great. And then the last one is talk therapy. So talk therapy, which is also known as psychotherapy, is what mental health professionals use to communicate with their patients. The purpose of talk therapy is to help people identify issues that cause emotional distress. For some people, the issues are really complex and they might result in a diagnosis of a mental health condition like depression or anxiety. But for others, uh, talk therapy may simply serve as a safe place to discuss feelings and emotions triggered by daily stresses such as medical illness, relationship issues, grief and loss, or the impact of a specific trauma. I have done talk therapy and it was during lockdown. And for a lot of the issues that I was dealing with in lockdown, some of it being anxiety related, it was really like quite helpful. But for bigger things, I did not find it as helpful. And that's where psychoanalysis has come in for me. Um, And it's been really great. But I know many people who do psychotherapy slash talk therapy and they absolutely adore it um and you know there's people who just need to talk about their rough childhood or their rough past um and I'm not knocking that if it's beneficial to you it was just for me um I didn't really like I didn't like it I didn't like saying I'm anxious and then being told like well why do you feel that way and it's like well that's why I'm coming to you (laughs) that's why I have come to you like if I go to the doctor and I say I um, feel nauseous and I'm vomiting. Don't ask me why do you think that is. Help me, help me fix it. I mean, you can ask like background questions, like did you eat anything, anything funny? But yeah, I just it wasn't for me. But if you are someone who does talk therapy and you love it, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. And I'm very happy for you. Um, I have the attitude that you have to do what feels good for you. Um, so now let's talk about ADHD and therapy. Now I want to make it clear that for some people. Therapy does not work and it is not a cure. And again, I'm no way saying that you have to do therapy if you're ADHD. Um, If you are someone who's ADHD and you are like, I don't want to go to therapy, that's fine. That's your prerogative and you're right. But I think it's a very interesting topic. So a lot of the time when you're looking online at ADHD treatment, it'll say something like types of treatment for ADHD include behavioral therapy, including training for parents and medication. So for children with ADHD younger than six years of age, the American Academy of Pediatrics, the AAP, recommends parent training in behavioural management as the first line of treatment before medication is tried. For children six years of age and older, the recommendations include medication and behavioural therapy together and parent training in behavioural management for children up to age 12 and other types of behavioural therapy and training for adolescents. Schools can be a part of the treatment as well. AAP recommendations also include behavioural classroom intervention and school supports. 
um, good treatment plans can be developed um, and they include like a close monitoring of, you know, whether and how much the treatment helps the child's behaviour as well as making changes needed along the way. Uh, behavioural therapy doesn't affect the actual symptoms of ADHD, won't change how a child or adults with ADHD brain works. However, it can teach people with ADHD skills that make it easier to succeed at school, work, home and in relationships. Um, when children have behavioural therapy for ADHD, their parents or guardians are involved in the process. Families usually work with a therapist to set goals and therapists will help families use behavioural therapy techniques at home and at school. So a therapist will sit down with the family to create a plan. The plan will help the entire family set these goals and work on changing the behaviour. So um, sometimes it'll be like how to um, complete homework, pay attention in class, keep their rooms clean, completing any daily chores. Um, so I actually do remember the very early days of my ADHD when I was seeing a paediatrician who also doubled as a sort of behavioural therapist slash psychologist um, she really focused on those things such as homework, paying attention in class and sort of getting by. She created systems and put systems in place that would work for me. So she would sit down with my parents um, and get an idea of what they needed and then sit down with me and talk about my goals and how my ADHD impacted me and what made my life easier. And then with that, she would come up with something. So it was like she'd come up with this plan. So it was almost therapy but it's like a planning form of therapy. It's like a wedding planner, but for ADHD, if that makes sense. Um, however, in like my experience and from reading and research, this therapy seems to focus on how much, like how to make the parent's life easier, which I think is good in a way. Um, but it's very much focused on helping people with ADHD get through the physicality of their tasks, not overcoming certain symptoms and thought patterns. Um, and I don't find it very personable and that's why I prefer the therapy that I'm doing now and that I did as I was older because it focused more on situations that were stressful and upsetting that were caused by my ADHD um, and I was able to talk about them and be given tips rather than, okay, here's, we're gonna help, here's how we're going to help you do your homework, um, which just seems a bit boring and not helpful. Um, and I find being able to talk about my feelings is a lot more beneficial um, for me right now. But at the time, the systems that my pediatrician did create for me were really important. They are the reason, one of the reasons that I had a really good time in high school and that I was able to do well. Um, but I think if I had been struggling with comorbid issues like anxiety or depression, I don't know if that would have helped. Um, but I think then my parents would have found me a therapist to also help me with that side of things. So this is why therapy, there's so many forms of therapy for different age ranges. Um, and I think the reason why that specific therapy was focused on the homework is because the big thing that impacts your life when you're a kiddo um, is, you know, your school and home life. You know, when you're young, when I was younger, it was very helpful to have this form of therapy and luckily in my early days I wasn't dealing with the adult issues and adult stresses so I don't I didn't need that adult form of therapy but um I wonder what ADHDs with comorbid conditions think of this um I really do wonder um and now I said I would touch on the context and sort of attitudes of therapy in Australia and the stigma surrounding that um so we're just gonna chat about it a bit so I think that we have gotten a lot better in the world um 
not in the world, in Australia about talking about mental health, which is a really good thing. I think that there's still a lot more to be done, especially in the domain where it affects men. Um, Men are disproportionately affected by depression and suicide. Um, I'll probably put the stats below, but I think like Australia has one of the highest suicides rates in men. Um, And this stems from many things, but it stems from attitudes that we have towards men. Historically, men have always been seen as the providers. Um, Our knights in shining armour, they are there to protect. They are not there to feel. We as women are there to feel and do all the emotions. Um, And when you consistently tell a group of people that because of the genitals they have, that they have to feel a certain way or be a certain way and that if they do otherwise they're going to be ostracised, that leads to people bottling things up and for some people bottling those things up um, comes out in other ways um, and that can be in suicide, antisocial behaviour, abuse and just general feelings of worthlessness, um, which is really tragic. So... I think we're a bit better, but I still think that like a boys, particularly like Aussie boys, there's still this attitude of like, she'll be right, I'll be right. And talking about your emotions is seen as really weird and feeling and woke and left wing. And like people will use insults like, I'm not gay, I'm not a woman, um, because emotions are typically seen and associated with being a woman, being womanly, being weak. Um, And I'm not going to sit here and tell men that are listening that, like, you're not weak, you should cry. I think um, that's not my place. But I do want to say as a general thing that feeling emotions are not a sign of weakness and getting help is not a sign of weakness. Um, I think there's nothing more attractive and masculine than knowing you need help and getting the help. So if you are a bloke and... (laughs) You're a bloke. No, but if you are a dude and you are feeling down. You don't even have to feel depressed, but you're like, I am not happy right now. Trust me, there's nothing wrong with seeking help, Um, whether that be your school counsellor, whether that be Reddit, no, but whether that be a psychologist, there's absolutely nothing wrong. Um, You don't have to talk about it. Like, I know that this episode is all about, you know, sharing that I'm in therapy, but if you want to see a therapist and you are just wanting to do that, You don't have to disclose it with people. You can keep that private. There's nothing wrong. But I think not going to see a therapist because of the messaging that's been done, I think is really dangerous because it can make you sick. Um, The more and more you let something fester, the more likely it is to manifest in terrible ways and reach a breaking point where you don't know what to do anymore and sometimes you are left feeling like, Um, ending your life is the only solution, which it is not. Um, I can't stress that enough. And I haven't dealt with suicidal thoughts or like suicidal ideation and I haven't dealt with deep depression. So I'm coming at this from the outside and you might tell me, shut up, Lucy, you've got no idea and that's fine. But suicide is a deeply, deeply permanent solution to sometimes a temporary and manageable problem um so please don't do that and please talk to someone and especially ADHDers um I find that a lot of ADHDers who are diagnosed late in life deal with a real shock and depression of this because they grieve what they could have been what they could have had 
had they have been diagnosed early. And I think this is where ADHD, um, being ADHD and having therapy is really important. A lot of the time we're asked to reflect and to practice mindfulness and talk about our feelings to ourselves. And when you're ADHD, that can be really hard because it's hard for us to sort of manage our thoughts. And having a therapist really helps you do that. It helps you talk about your thoughts in a productive way. Like I remember in my talk therapy, and I'm not saying this is talk therapy for everyone, but the formula was sort of, what are you feeling? One, like feeling you're feeling, talk about it. How does it make you feel? What can we do about it? Rather than just word vomiting in my head, like I'm feeling this, I'm feeling that, I should meditate, I should write about it in my diary, I should do this, I should do that. That can be incredibly overwhelming for the ADHD brain. So I think that therapy can be a really structuring environment. If writing in your diary helps you get your thoughts clear and out, I think that's great. But for some people like myself, Writing is good, but it just kind of goes, it comes out um, in random like stream of consciousness, which doesn't help me. And that's why I find therapy a lot more helpful because also I'm dealing with the neurotypical. My psychoanalyst is neurotypical. So he is able to sort of balance out my ADHD stream of consciousness with his neurotypical ways, which are really beneficial. So I don't feel like I don't know what to talk about or I don't know where this is going. It's actually really helpful. Um, but that being said, you might be an adhd who actually wants an ADHD therapist um, and that's great as well. There's therapists for everything. So I think that's where um, therapy and ADHD can be really beneficial. But as I've talked in many other episodes, um, due to many things, stigma and just attitudes, uh, it can be really hard to access therapy um, and I'm only speaking from experience as someone who's in Victoria. Um, therapy, as we know, is very expensive, even though it's something that's beneficial and that I hold under public health, and I think public health is a human right. It is very expensive. Um, people, Some people just cannot afford 100 bucks or 200 bucks, bucks um, for a session. I do know that there are mental health plans that you can have made. If you go to your GP, your first 10 lessons will be for free. And then the ones after that are at a reduced cost, but still it can be really hard to find. Um, and that's got to do with ADHD access and the NDIS. And I really hope that now with ADHD, the ADHD recommendations that I talked about last year around, I think, October and November, um, I really hope that that changes how people with ADHD can access therapy. Um, if you're not in the position to look for a therapist or to just even afford one, I get it. Um, there are other resources. Uh, there is the ADHD Foundation Helpline, which will be in the description. Um, and there's also their forum. There's a lot of ADHD support groups. If you can't afford group therapy, um, there are other resources. But sometimes the ADHD that you've got and the issues you are dealing with are not going to be they're a bit more complicated and they do need clinical intervention. And for that, I wish I could say something or tell you, oh, there's this thing that would help. But again, I, uh, being ADHD is very expensive and very hard. If it's not got to do with it being hard mentally, it's got to do with it being hard financially. Uh, being ADHD and trying to look for therapy is hard on the ADHD individual and the family. Um, 
And I just want to say I was so lucky that I didn't have to deal with that problem and I don't have to deal with that issue. But I know many of my friends, many people in my life are just like, I'm at my wit's end and I don't know what to do. Um, And I don't, and I do think that stems from attitudes of ADHD and therapy. I think some people think that because ADHD is just a behavioral issue and it's got to do with you not being disciplined enough, why should you have therapy? Therapies for crazy people, therapies for people who are insane and kill other people. Um, and that's just not true. I don't need to be at my wit's end to just be considered worthy of having therapy. Like my ADHD shouldn't have to get too unmanageable and crazy for it to be like, oh, you should have therapy. I think everyone should give therapy a go. Like even if you're not dealing with anything, just being able to talk to an unbiased individual is really great. Um, Some people go to therapy just to chat. Um, They don't have anything in their life that's going on. They just go... Some people go to make difficult decisions like, should I leave my boyfriend? What do you think? But um, I think therapy is really helpful. And if you're an adhd who has the means, definitely look into it. Please do. Um, if you are someone who doesn't have the means, I am going to list resources in the description. But I think that's all for now. I'm sure therapy now will pop up more in my episodes because I think it's great and I want to destigmatize it and make it something cool to talk about but if you have any experiences with therapy or any thoughts please leave them in the comments of this episode post or dm me Um, i'd love to talk about it more with you guys and yeah so do not forget to follow me on instagram and facebook at the lucy pod and listen to me and show me love on all of your favorite streaming platforms such as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, and all of that good stuff. Take care of yourself, stay safe, and I will hear you, see you, talk to you in the next episode. Bye. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. Don't forget the special offer to the Lucy Pod listeners. You can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash the Lucy Pod. That's better, H-E-L-P dot com, the Lucy Pod.